Tēnā koutou katoa and welcome to the Dawn Chorus. I'm Bernard Hickey from the Kaka. This is my daily podcast that I put out with an email newsletter for subscribers to the Kaka's um, top tier of um, paid subscription. Today I wanted to focus on our economy, which I sometimes call a housing market with bits tacked on. Because we've got a collection of news items this morning that really reinforce how captured, how held hostage we are to our housing market. Not just in economic terms, but political terms, social terms, health terms, and pretty much every part of our economy, our government and our society. Now you may think that's a large claim to make, but let's have a look at what happened in the last 24 hours in the news. We heard yesterday that ASB and ANZ, two of the big four Australian banks, are going to stop new high loan-to-value ratio lending. Now this is because over the last year or so, they and the other banks have been doing a lot of that high LVR lending to first home buyers, investors and owner-occupiers. And the Reserve Bank had to jump in last year to effectively tighten the limits on high LVR lending. And ASB and ANZ are saying, well, we're, we're pretty much at our limits, so we're going to have to tighten our lending. Now, this is important because, obviously, house prices rose 45% in the wake of COVID from, uh, 20, from March 2020 through to November 2021. And this was because... In very early 2020, uh, immediately after the arrival of COVID and the start of the lockdowns, the Reserve Bank removed the LVR restrictions. In the end, it was a temporary removal, and it encouraged banks to lend heavily into, in a highly leveraged way into the housing market, which they took up as an invitation. And you saw house prices jump sharply. That's because... All of that extra credit at increasingly low interest rates, which, by the way, the Reserve Bank not only cut the official cash rate to encourage that lending, but also printed $55 billion to buy government bonds, which in effect lowered longer-term interest rates as well, which meant that fixed mortgage rates could drop towards 2%. And in that period, 2020 and 2021, we saw house prices rise very sharply, 45% or so, and it's only since October, November of 2021 when the Reserve Bank started increasing interest rates, and shortly after it stopped money printing, did we start to see house prices come off the boil. We now know that they're down around about 6% from their peaks in October, November last year. Now that is a nationwide figure, 6%, but in some markets, particularly Auckland City and Wellington City, we've seen double-digit falls in house prices, however you measure them, uh, medians or uh, the house price index from the Real Estate Institute, which is uh, among the best measures of the housing market. And you can see, for example, the median house price in Auckland City has fallen $360,000 since November last year. That's an average of $2,000 per day. I make that point just to show you the large figures involved. And for those people who own homes and who are keeping an eye on what's happening with their house value, they will have seen, uh, uh, just as they saw 
house prices rise that quickly, some of that come off. However, house prices, uh, even though they're down as much as 20% in median terms in the likes of Auckland City from their peaks, they're still only back to where they were at the beginning of last year. And a good 20 to 30% of the gains seen in the immediate wake of COVID look like they're going to stick. And that's partly because the Reserve Bank itself sees the uh, um, sustainability, the sustainable level of house prices at around 10 to 30% below their peaks that they hit in November. So the Reserve Bank isn't effectively concreting in the ratcheting up of house prices that we've seen since March of 2020. Now that is reflected through into higher construction costs for new houses, which are measured in the inflation figures. So construction costs up 18% in the last year, in part encouraged by the big jump in house prices and the big jump in lending, putting enormous pressure onto supply chains and construction industry wages. And uh, you've also seen a rise in rents, in part because of uh, landlords looking to get a better return from their now higher house price. Uh, we've also seen a, a shortage of supply of new houses into the market in a fundamental way over the last 30 years. And this is because councils and governments have decided not to invest enough in infrastructure to cope with the quite fast population growth we've seen over the last 20 years. Whereas in the past, before the mid-1980s, the government would invest quite heavily in infrastructure such as pipes, electricity, roads, rail. You're not seeing that over the last 30 years because both sides of politics have in effect decided to keep the size of government at around about 30% of GDP and to not increase government debt beyond 20 to 30% of GDP. Now, this, in some cases, is a third to a fifth of the public debt levels seen in other countries that share our credit ratings. Uh, but um, it means if you keep debt low that you can keep interest rates lower than they otherwise would be. Why is that important? Well, if you're looking to appeal to median homeowning voters and they're the ones who decide elections, then you need to ensure that house prices keep rising and that interest rates remain relatively low. Because we have an effect over the last 30 years built an economy that is based on house prices and in particular residential land prices rising in a leveraged and spectacular way that actually generates more tax-free income for those homeowners than their actual jobs. And you might see, feel that seems a bit extreme, but over the last two years, the values of the assets of those homeowners, not just the houses, but also the shares, have risen by more than $600 billion. And that's after the slight fall in house prices over the last three or four months. And that $600 billion is more than the disposable house, um, household income from jobs that homeowners have received. So it's correct to say that homeowners have made more from their houses, much, much, much more from their houses than they made from their real jobs. 
And that means um, you don't really need to worry too much about the small business that you're building or the job that you're doing or push for productivity growth or invest in that business because the real game in New Zealand is to own residential land that is leveraged up because you've got a big uh, bank mortgage on it and what you do is wait for the tax-free capital gain which comes inevitably at much, much faster rates than returns you'd get from any other investments. And as median homeowning voters, you are opposed to any form of capital gains tax or wealth tax that would put that business model, if you like, or model for securing your financial future and that of your family, that would put that at risk. So we've seen the last three elections effectively being all about whether or not we should tax the unearned uh, and leveraged capital gains from rising residential land prices and median voters who have benefited from it have said no to the point where the Prime Minister now says she will never do a capital gains or wealth tax in her political lifetime which means a Jacinda Ardern led Labour Party will never do either of those things and uh, to the point also where she ruled out both at the last election because she wanted to get re-elected. Uh, only the removal or resignation or retirement of the Prime Minister would change the Labour and Green uh, prospects on this. And so uh, a lot of homeowners, understandably, have um, bet that um, this particular business model won't change. And in many ways, they're now completely dependent on it in part because house prices are so high now that their own kids can't get in under their own steam. And so those homeowners are having to leverage up again to give the deposits to their own kids to get into the housing market. Now, the reason I've gone into this in a bit of depth is because, A, we've heard from ANZ and ASB that they've stopped new ILVR lending for now, in part because they've hit the new speed limits that the Reserve Bank put in place uh, can you imagine what house prices would have done if the Reserve Bank had left those LVR limits off uh, as it did in the wake of the um, COVID uh, epidemic? However, the point is that as banks pull back some of their leverage that's going into the market, that's going to, again, add to the pressure downwards on house prices. The question now is, what does the Reserve Bank do when house prices threaten to fall more than the 10 to 30% that it currently estimates as the uh, sustainable level of house price falls from those peaks in November. We'll find out a lot more about that this afternoon when the Reserve Bank's new chief economist, Paul Conway, gives a major speech about housing and its relationship to the New Zealand economy and is expected to detail the, government, the Reserve Bank's thinking on this 10 to 30% uh, a lower level of house prices as a sustainable level. You might recall um, at the end of 2020, there was some discussion about whether the Reserve Bank should uh, target or somehow have a, a mandate for making the housing market uh, go to affordable levels. But in the end, uh, the phrase that was decided on was sustainable. And sustainable doesn't necessarily mean affordable. You can, with these low interest rates and not enough houses, uh, have house prices and values significantly above their affordable levels um, and at sustainably high levels uh, because you don't have the housing supply 
or the um, uh, or the interest rate levels to get you down to where they quote should be. Now, the other reason I point to this is that right now the biggest news story in New Zealand is the uh, overwhelmed hospital systems. Uh, this morning we learnt that Dunedin's hospital has uh, just been closed to non-essential surgery. Like everywhere else, the winter flu epidemic and a bit of COVID has uh, swamped A&Es. It's worth knowing, as I reported yesterday, that uh, over 100,000 households are now so damp and cold that the kids in them uh, get uh, uh, skin infections, chest infections, and have to go to A&E. It's estimated by the University of Otago's uh, specialists that upwards of 20% of the A&E admissions every winter are of children who have uh, um, respiratory problems because of the quality of the housing that they live in. And we know, of course, that not only is it amongst the most expensive rental housing in the world, according to the OECD's figures, but as in terms of house values and uh, uh, rents relative to incomes, it is the most expensive housing in the world. You'd think with the most expensive housing in the world, it would be the best quality housing, but that's not the case because um, more than 10% of our homes now are deemed to be so dangerous to live in that they will make our kids and ourselves sick. Now that, of course, has spillover effects onto the, onto the health system, as we're seeing, and it also has spillover effects into our infrastructure system. So later on today, the government will announce the Let's Get Wellington Moving Capital Program, a big program of investment in tunnels and roads and that sort of thing. Wellington, like the rest of the country's big cities, is dealing with massive population growth and an insanely undersupplied housing market. Uh, to the point now where it's more expensive to rent an apartment in Wellington than it is to rent an apartment in Paris or London or New York. Uh, we wish that the weather in Wellington was slightly better to justify it, but it's not. And uh, we're going to see today the government again fail to invest enough to deal with that population growth. And the same with councils, because again, uh, if you're a rate-paying uh, voter... You are most likely to own a home, and the last thing you want is an intensification of housing that would deliver extra supply and invalidate your entire business model, which is based on tax-free leveraged capital gains on residential house values. And repeatedly over the last few months, we've seen both Yorkland, Wellington and Christchurch councils push back at the government's attempts to try to force councils to allow more densification more housing supply close to the centre of town. Again, this is all about um, the government and the councils refusing to use their balance sheets to borrow money to pay for the infrastructure because inevitably it would require uh, uh, net debt uh, and the size of government, i.e. tax rates, to be higher than the 30% of GDP, which is the de facto agreed uh, levels that both national and Labour have committed to over the decades and shown no sign of changing. Those are the main things I wanted to focus on today. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was my dawn chorus uh, with the Kaka, which is my email newsletter, a subscription email newsletter for paid subscribers. You're welcome to join, which gives you the right to uh, comment on the 
articles and I welcome you all joining the Kaka community. I'm Bernard Hickey. Kakita no.